When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Just pull your car over and because uh, you're not going to get to work anyways this morning. And listen to Judd rant about apparently Thursday night's White Sox Twins game, which has been with him all weekend. I had like to the listen. First thing I was he listening said to was, driving to Iowa. Literally, like the Twins just won three in a row, and the first thing he says this morning is, "I've got thoughts on that Thursday game." Good. Five nothing. I feel like the fact you were driving to Iowa might uh, impact how you actually feel. <laughs> Put it on the board. Yes, <laughs> down the line and a fair ball. It'll score two. The Twins take the lead. Morrison is safe at second base. A big two-strike, two-out double for Logan Morrison. Right off the end of the bat. And they hesitate all over the place, and Maurer comes home to score. And hard to center, chased by Engel. Still going back, still going back. Gone, a home run for Eddie Rosario. Got it. High cheese for a strikeout. And there's a strikeout. Go back in there again. Sink the ball down. Yep. And another strikeout for Gibson. Got him. Hitting the outside corner, two down. Don't look now, but with the Indians sputtering early in the season, they're 17 and 17. There are no above 500 teams in the American League Central. As we open up this show here on a Monday, the Indians have lost three in a row and seven of their last ten, which means the Twins who've now won three in a row as they should against bad competition, are only two games back overall and tied in the loss column with Cleveland. Wow. Do you remember what I did for the first Hold on. three don't months? Buzz, don't buzzkill no, no, it. Let, let there be 45 seconds of joy before no, you buzzkill this whole thing. I'm not going to buzzkill it. I'm just going to tell you, do you remember what I did when I went against you and Wetmore? I can't hear you. Oh! Three months of last season. I'm going to tell you what happened. Pop, 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 all right, so last summer, I believe it was for the first three months at least, if not into July, I kept saying, Cleveland's not that good. Cleveland's not going to run away with this thing. And you and Wetmore, you in particular, told me, Judd, Judd, Cleveland's very good. Oh, Patrick did as well. Said Cleveland is absolutely going to decimate these teams. It's just going to take some time. Yeah, they, they eventually didn't lose for a month. Yeah, so I am so I am not going to repeat the same mistake again. This, is not, sure. this is not an indictment of the Twins... 
so much as this is an acknowledgement that I tried to hold firm for three months about, well, Cleveland, I mean, look at them. They're not playing that well. And then, as you just said, I think they went from like July 5th to August 5th with one loss. Yes. They won, was it 23 straight games or so, something? So yeah. I'm going to be cautious. Um, so... Well, I think it, I think there's some good and some bad. I mean, obviously, like my my Twitter timeline is filled with it's just the White Sox. Uh, yes, clearly, but that's part of your mission over a six month season: beat up on teams like the White Sox, and they did this weekend. They won three out of four. That's what they were supposed to do, and they get a bunch of games against the Tigers and the Royals, and more games against the White Sox. Uh, I think it's safe to say the Indians are very likely to hit the gas pedal at some point. And play at like a 90 to 95 win pace, if not just like flat out win 95 games. Mm -hmm. So that wouldn't shock me. But the fact that you can go through that type of an April and still only only be a couple back of of the Indians. The yeah but here is if we think there's still a significant uh, gap between the Indians and the Twins rosters and talent. that Okay, the Indians are going to separate themselves. What's the consolation prize? Well, right now, as it stands, the Twins are eight wins behind the second wild. Not eight games, but like eight yes. wins behind they're, where Houston's at, and yeah. Houston's the second wild card team right now. They're twenty-one and fifteen. So. Can I can I give you can I give you the state as we sit here on Monday, May the seventh of the American League Central, outside of Cleveland? You, you I believe, have for, for a long time said run run differential is important. Correct. It, it's an important. It's it's a telling stat to you. It, it's a it, it, early in the season. It can it can definitely uh, you shouldn't you should take it with a grain of salt early in the year. But in over six months, over multiple years, things like that, it tells you who the good teams are. Yes. Let, let me just right now go through the uh, through the final four teams outside of Cleveland. Run differential as of this date so far. The Twins are a minus twenty eight. The Tigers are a minus nine. Not terrible. The Royals are a minus fifty eight. The White Sox, who are nine and twenty-three on the season record-wise, are minus fifty-one. The American League Central is light a match, dump gas on it, a dumpster fire right now. It is a dumpster fire now. Now, here's what I want to see from our Twins over the next six games, and they do not have to win all six games. They certainly will not. But you're going to play two pretty good teams. You're playing the Cardinals in, in a weird series. You're playing them tonight and tomorrow afternoon, and then you're off on Wednesday. The Cardinals have won five in a row. They just swept the Cubs. They're 20-12, and 12, and they're atop the National League Central. You then take Wednesday off and play Thursday through Sunday against the Angels. They are 21-13 and 13 and in first place in the American League West. If you hold up in those games and play pretty well, I will think that you've turned a corner. And you're back in? Then I am much more back in. So then you can fight the man. All right, boys, let's get ready to go here. Wow. So, just, so you're gonna. So your opinion is gonna be based on a five game sample size, no, a small sample no, size. No, no, no. My, my, or I guess it'd be more than that. It would be a six game not, sample size. Not, not based on. It will be far more colored by what happens in the remainder of this road trip than just four games in Chicago, in which you did have a five nothing lead on Thursday and blew it. Let me bring up another name that's interesting here. That I know you've dug your heels, and I think you haven't. I think you have a write that down prediction that says this guy will be out of the rotation or maybe even out of the organization within like the next two months. Is Kyle Gibson a fundamentally different pitcher? I I think we have to at least consider that option. Which for a thirty year old to change his trajectory in baseball is pretty rare. I mean, you saw it in the steroid era. Sometimes you saw it with you see it with hitters once in a while where. Like Justin Smoke will figure out how to hit towering fly balls at age 30, or Jose Batista, or whatever else might be helping some of those hitters like throughout the last 20 years. Pitchers don't usually change their trajectory at age 30, but the fact that 
he's getting so many more swings and misses. And you've got a new regime, a very pitching-rich background regime that's come in here and some different coaches in the last couple of years. And he's been their most reliable starting pitcher, probably even going back to like last August. I think we have to consider, I'm not going to crown him yet, but I think we have to consider the more and more Kyle Gibson racks up big strikeout outings like the last couple times out, that he might have changed his trajectory later in his career than usual. 31 strikeouts over his past four games, and I think his past three starts have been very good. And let me tell you right now, I'm afraid. I'm afraid to make a commitment here because sports-wise in this town, I've done this before. I've looked at a guy that's begun to turn things around and said to myself, you know what? That's significant change there. That's real. And I open up my sports heart again, and guess what? It gets broken. I am very much on the fence. The highest compliment I can pay him so far is actually not the strikeouts. It's his demeanor. The demeanor seems to have changed. He gives up a well, blue it, pit now. It, it helps when you're getting strikeouts. Sure that your, does. That your demeanor would change. It does. But he gives up a blue pit now or an untimely hit, and I don't see the immediate slumping of the shoulders and that weird resting face that he has of, like, how could this happen to me? But I'm afraid. Gibby was good. Um, you know, wild pitch gives up a run. Um, they got an add-on run along the way. But, uh, you know, another good day for him. And, you know, we've there's been plenty of games in the first five, six weeks here that we found a way to lose. Today we found one, uh, found a way to win. So nice way to finish up the series. Well, you remember like a month ago on the show, it might have been during spring training, and we found a quote from Anthony Swarzak, former second-round pick by the Twins, Kyle Gibson, former first-round pick. I think they might have gone in back-to-back drafts. I want to say Swarzak. Uh, no, Swarzak might have been before that. Swarzak... Warzak might have been out of high school and then and then Gibson came in. But either way, like same era, same front office, same pitching philosophy throughout the organization. And Swarzak said, I came in throwing 93 miles an hour out of high school. He was a college, I whatever. He came into the twin system throwing mid-90s, strikeouts, and by the end of it, he was taught. Hey, we're looking for 90-pitch complete games. In fact, steak dinner for anyone in the minor leagues who throws a complete game (laughs) under 100 pitches. We're looking to maximize efficiency, and we want you to throw those little sinkers, get those ground balls, pitch to contact, and use your fielders. And so by the time he left the Twins, which wound up taking him, took him to the Korean Baseball League, he had to figure out how to get swings and misses. And he comes back, and now he's been, one the last couple of years, one of the more reliable strikeout relievers in baseball. In his 30s, Anthony Swarzak. So if that was the story for him, that he went through this pipeline and was told by this previous regime, here's how we pitch. We are contact robots who use our second baseman, and we use our outfielders to catch fly balls. We can right? rely on them all the time. And we use the fans in left field and the bleachers to catch those fly balls that go a little too far. But they'll throw them back. They might throw them back. Yes, you'll get the ball back. So isn't it possible that Kyle Gibson has to sort of unwire and then rewire a lot of that story, programming? And here he is now with a different philosophy and, and different strategies the last couple of years. And, and I'm like you. I'm not all in on Gibson yet. He's got to prove this thing for a full season. But he definitely looks different. Yes, yeah, I, mean, I will he, agree with you on that. He is. I'm on Fangrass right now. And his so his swinging strike rate jumped last year, and it jumped again this year. Yep. His uh, overall contact percentage for opposing hitters... Yep. is around where Francisco Liriano's was eight years ago for the Twins. So just saying, like, it's ordinarily I would rule it out due to his age, 
but I'm not going to rule this one out. I am. I give me give me two months of this, uh, and, and it doesn't have to be fantastic. But give me two months of consistency, and I'll, I'll come around. I think I need two months. Uh, I have one question for you, though. I have one question for you. What were the White Sox doing in the eighth there on those two plays? The the one was the ground ball to shortstop that I think it was Mauer at first base, and he should have been at least forced at second base, and the shortstop made sort of a weird little flip play that the second baseman couldn't catch, and I think they charged the second baseman with the error in that case. And then what in the hell was going on on the ground ball to third base where, where according to everyone, Joe Mauer did a fantastic job. I thought but, it was great base running. But I, I think the third baseman screwed up here. I think the third baseman screwed up. I'm, I'm going to go out, out on a limb and say good for you, Joe, but I'm not giving you nearly as much credit as I am the fault of the third baseman who clearly had no idea what to do with the baseball. Listen, when you're, you know, put yourself in the shoes of a third baseman knowing that you have a Jedi base runner at third base just playing cat and mouse with you. I mean, I don't know. Are you I, saying, as this Piner Preston today, Mauer being just Mauer. Mauer being Mauer? I mean, he's over there. Hall of Fame base runner. That's what that's what our angle is. Telepathically psyching out the third baseman. Hall of Fame base runner here again. <laughs> Can you believe it? Stop trolling. Just stop it. Come on, I just want to know. Why does it have to be both poles on Mauer? Why can't it just be, hey, nice play? Why does it have to be either he's he's horrible, he spent way too much money on this no home run hitting buffoon, or the greatest base running play in the history of baseball? He he danced his way down the line forty feet, knowing no one was within fifty feet of the base. A brilliant move by Mauer. Well played, Mauer. <laughs> Well played, Mawa. The curse that brought his whole career. <laughs> it's to a nice play. You know, that's how my ninth graders lost their game on Saturday too. Almost the same exact thing. It happens. It's I, baseball. I blame coaching then. I think it's bad coaching for the ninth graders or the White Sox. Uh, both of them. That's fair. Harrigan, Renteria, yeah, no, both fair. have problems. <laughs> but what the hell is the third baseman doing? Like yeah. how? How do you have no idea? It was clear he had no idea what he was going to do. If the ball, if Kepler hit the ball to him, which he did, it was crystal clear the third baseman had no clue what to do with it. Again, that was Saturday with the ninth graders. Yes, <laughs> yes. You and know you what? lost because of it. <laughs> no, actually, it's every day. With the I think graders. what we're seeing here it's very similar to the NBA. It's just like managers and GMs are putting these clueless players on the field for about eight different baseball teams right now. Take the standings. So you mentioned the American League Central. Yes. The let's go around. Right. Like let's try. Let's play a game called Who's Looking for the Number One Draft Pick in the 2019, or I guess yeah, 2019 June Draft. You got the Orioles eight and 26, a minus 72 run differential so far. Oh, I didn't look at that one. You've got the White Sox <laughs> and Royals both 12 and 14 games below 500, and a combined 109 runs. Below yep. the equator. Yep. Even the Rangers at 13 and 23 at minus 51 so far. Miami. Actually, Miami's hanging in there at 13 and 20. I thought they might be worse than that. They've been playing better of late, yes. At a minus 46. The Reds, 8 and 26, already fired a manager at minus 52. And, uh, and the, the Padres are 13 and 22 despite winning two in a row over the Dodgers, who have a bad record but aren't trying to have a bad record because they have a $200 million payroll. Well, the Dodgers are a mess right now, and Kershaw's out. So there's only a, yeah, there's only like a third of the league putting crappy players on the field oh, trying actively. I just to want to right know now. what you're doing when you have no idea. You're a big league player at third base and you have no idea what to do no. with the baseball. Big league in air quotes for that, Ross. And then we all say that, as Dave said, we all say, "Oh no, no, that was all Joe Mauer." <laughs> no, it wasn't. 
Third base was screwed up. It was brilliant. He's Jedi mind tricks. That's right. I'm going to take. You're not even going to see me. I think he was dressed in like a camouflaged uniform. He's crawling around the grass. He hit the invisible button. Uh, Lindsay Whalen makes her weekly appearance with us. She'll hang out at 930. Wetmore's coming in here at 1130 to talk some twins. And I expect a written apology that he will read on the air for writing the twins off a week ago, burying their season. Now, when we come back, though. Some reckless Timberwolves trade speculation. Mackie and Judd from the TCL Broadcast Studio. Mackie and Judd are back. Audio level full volume. It's go time. On 1500 ESPN. All right, Mackie and Judd, TCL Broadcast Studio. Lindsey Whalen in about 15 minutes. Wetmore and hopefully a written apology from him. In fact, we should demand that. He can't come in here and promote any of his stuff on the website or any of his Twins podcast. I, I think if they play well against the Cardinals and, and Angels, I say a week from today, the, the what if apology they, if comes they play in. well and lose a bunch of games, though. I think I think result results are very important when yeah, you're sure. four games. Sure, under no, I think the results. I, I think in, in the next six games on the rest of this road trip, the results have to be favorable, and if they are, then he owes us the apology. I, sure. I'm I'm loathe to have him apologize after a series against the uh, Putrid Sox. You know what? Okay, we're going to get into some Wolves speculation here. A, a, an interesting piece from the Ringer that came out over the weekend, but I had three different people. Friends like who follow the twins, maybe even more than that. It was at least three different people who listen to our show and listen to the Touch 'em All podcast and rewet more stuff. All of them with basically the same thing over the weekend when the twins were kind of getting themselves back in the mix here by beating the White Sox. Man, I uh, I ordinarily agree with like ninety eight percent of what Derek Wetmore writes and says. He's very measured and which means they don't like, like me probably. Yeah, they didn't go that far, but I mean. You can make that leap if you want to. It's very easy and to make said, that leap. Why did he write them off on May first? I don't understand that. We're gonna we're gonna demand answers from Wetmore when he comes in here. All right. So I stumbled upon this from theRinger.com, Bill Simmons' uh, new creation as of a couple of years ago, and one of their NBA writers. It's a how to fix the Raptors piece. Like the Raptors are about to get swept again by the Cavs. And uh, Dwayne Casey and company have kind of hit a plateau. And How to fix the Raptors. Let's see. Have LeBron leave the Cavs? And I think the Raptors help. are fixed. That would help. Yes. I think if it's LeBron... a good way to fix the Pacers over the years. Leave, leave the conference. Go play for in, in L.A. And then I think <laughs> the Raptors are going to be absolutely fine in the East. That's a good way to fix the Celtics, too, over the years. <laughs> Just get LeBron out of the Eastern Conference. And so as the author was fixing the Raptors... He uh, inadvertently fixed the Timberwolves with this All trade right. speculation. The Timberwolves stand out, so he's looking for trade partners that might also be looking for like a reshuffling, not a rebuild. And so he paired Raptors and Timberwolves, which makes a lot of sense. Both teams are not ready to hit the reset button, but both teams are maybe ready to make a move or two to get to the next level. The Timberwolves stand out since Jimmy Butler can become an unrestricted free agent in 2019, and Butler has expressed displeasure with Minnesota's youth for not understanding the urgency of their situation. The Wolves need to keep Butler happy, and he's friends with Kyle Lowry from their time playing together on Team USA at the Olympics. There are also rumblings that Butler recruited Lowry to the Wolves last offseason. Remember that? Just a quick aside here. Butler did his press conference and said, I'm going to be recruiting players, huge-name players, bigger names than me. Mm Mm-hmm. And you're trying to speculate, like, who could that be? I mean, Kyle Lowry at the time was just coming off of, like, like he had these big career seasons. And anyways, the obvious trade target would be Andrew Wiggins, who has failed to live up to expectations in Minnesota, but still has shown flashes. Maybe things would click for him back home in Canada. 
if the Wolves already have buyer's remorse, then maybe there's a mega deal to be done centering around Wiggins and Jeff Teague going to Toronto for Kyle Lowry, C.J. Miles, and Pascal Siakam. Reckless speculation. The Wolves would get off Wiggins' deal and give themselves immense cap flexibility when Butler is a free agent in 2019. Perhaps they'd become a destination. The Raptors could view Wiggins as a building block for the next era while serving as a versatile contributor that can help now. But a backcourt with Teague and DeRozan would be laughably bad defensively, so perhaps a deal that ships Teague to a third team could make more sense. But let's just focus on this from a Wolves standpoint. Forget about like if Teague goes to a third team. Yeah. Would you have interest in Jeff Teague plus Andrew Wiggins, which is about forty-five to fifty million dollars in salary? So it's, you know you got to match salaries on this because the Wolves are over the cap. All right, you can't take back more in salary. Right for Lowry, which is about thirty million. C.J. Miles is about nine million, and Siakam is a rookie deal of like two million dollars. So you'd actually get some cap relief. Mm-hmm. This is very intriguing. Would I have interest? Absolutely. The the yeah, but here for me. So first of all, see, the the Wolves had interest in C.J. Miles last off season, and they just didn't have enough money to pay him, yep. and they wanted Taj Gibson. So you'd be talking about two guys over the age of thirty here. This is this is where I like the the macro area where I hesitate. If you trade Andrew Wiggins for a couple guys in their thirties, and now the only young piece to a puzzle that had a bunch of young how, pieces a few years ago is Cat, yeah, you're all in right how, now. How good does this make you? If you could swing a trade like this, how good does this make you immediately? Lowry's a better player than Teague. I think Wiggins, unless he gets better and explodes in a different system, is almost addition by subtraction because he takes the most shots on the team. He doesn't play defense. Mm-hmm. He makes a ton of money. Uh, if you don't think he's going to thrive. In your particular environment, getting rid of him is going to be a plus. There's always that carrot that dangles, as they mentioned in the article. Well, what if he starts to reach his upside? And then the irony would be he'd be playing alongside of the guy that everyone compares him to, which is DeMar DeRozan. Well, it took DeRozan five years. Okay, It might work there. It might work great. It took DeRozan five years. Uh, but Lowry, Lowry and C.J. Miles would help fix your three-point problems. Okay, uh, Neither one of them, I don't know. I don't know how much they'd fix your defensive problems, but um, and then and then Siakam is an interesting rotational big guy that would probably come off the bench. And I don't know if you if you'd find a, a trade partner for Gargie Jang, that'd be a tough contract to unload. But this would make your team immediately better, I think, unless Wiggins has an explosion in him. But it would also make you a lot older. I mean, you would have and you're already mostly not, thirty plus year old. And you're players. not young now. Um, here's, here's why if you're going to keep the current administration in place and Butler here, you do it because there's no long-term plan here necessarily. Everybody, everybody who matters the most here, aside from Towns, wants to win and Towns does this too, but wants to win immediately. Butler and Tibbs aren't here to see young players develop. It's not their nature. It's not, it's not something they are going to care about. Some people might, but. Tibbs and Butler are here to win and attempt to win a title as quickly as possible. Now, now that flies in the face of the entire conversation of saying, yeah, but the Rockets, yeah, but the Warriors. So 
it certainly might not make sense, but if Glenn Taylor is going to keep Tibbs here, and if Tibbs is going to keep Butler here, this is all being done on the fact that you were going to try and win a title, I would say, within realistically the next three to four years. And you might not get there, but the point being is, if this is the road that you're going to go down, you might as well fully go down that road, which means getting as good as you can as quickly as you can. The only thing here is, so th- this is the other thing, too. So Kyle Lowry makes a ton of money, and the Wolves had interest in, in Kyle Lowry last offseason, too. Lowry is set to make, he's got two more years left on his deal, $31 million next year, and then $33.3 million in 2019-20. So yes, you'd be unloading Wiggins' contract, but presumably you'd look to lock up Butler, to, if not a max contract, a short-term contract that equals like max money in those years, so $30 million. So it's not like you'd have all this, oh, you're going to get rid of Wiggins, and you, you're going to, like the author points out, you're going to have some cap relief. I mean... If Cat's going to make max and Lowry's going to make max, right. Butler and Butler doesn't have a max deal right now, at least a new max deal, but he still makes 20 plus million dollars. Yep. Uh, Lowry, for the record, if we're talking about just three point shooting, so just improving three point shooting, uh, Lowry has shot 39 to 40% from downtown the last three years, and he shoots like eight of them per game. So he absolutely gives you a jolt in a department that you've never been good in for the 30 years of this franchise. Uh, he, he would be, they, they've really never had a, no, a high volume sniper they're, like that. They've had, they they've had guys like Fred Hoiberg and Bielitsa who can fire him like two or three per game. But, but not a star who's going right. to come in. And I, I just, I think the conundrum here, if you're a Wolves fan, is the realization that how they're going about things currently means that that you are going to try and and have to run up against Houston or Golden State, which is a problem. But I don't see with this with Tibbs in charge. I don't see a way around that. I don't ever see a plan where where Tibbs pulls back the reins a little bit and says, you know what, we're not going to beat these two teams, and so th- therefore, if we can crescendo in five years or four years, it's going to be great. No, he wants to win now. He wants to win now. His star wants to win now. Towns would certainly be on board with that. So all of that being said is if you're going to go down the path that they're going down, you got to go all in. The other thing, too, we can get, we're going to get to Waylon here in a second, but right now, not even counting Derrick Rose, who who's another ball-centric guy, Wiggins, Teague, Cat Butler, their playing styles just dictate all of them need the ball. Like They all need the ball. They all need to be dribbling. Unless you can get Wiggins to... Just be better off the ball and be more comfortable as a cutter, as a guy who can spot up and just be open in the corner. But right now, as his current style is, he needs the ball. If you trade two guys who need the ball, one of them very inefficient, the only one you're getting, like CJ Miles would play limited minutes. He's like a 20 minute a game guy. So you'd then be down to Lowry, Cat, Butler, mm-hmm. depending on if you brought back Derrick Rose, that would throw a wrench into this. <laughs> and then the other pieces around them, those would be your ball centric guys. One of them would be very efficient, Kyle Lowry. Actually, all three of them are, too. Cat is, too. Um, and then you'd have, around them, you'd have a roster of, like, seven or eight complementary so pieces. So it makes some sense. So, it does. It's intriguing. I would explore it, but I would also and be nervous the way, that Wiggins blows Derek up with Rose someone. is coming back. You're probably right. You know he's coming back. Reckless speculation! All right, we'll uh, we'll talk with our friend Lindsey Whalen when we come back here. We watch sports on a 55-inch TCL Roku TV here in the studio. In fact, we got Stephen A. in a gray plaidish jacket just delivering 
hyping hot takes about the NBA playoffs in 4K picture quality. You can see all the threads on his jacket. Um, I, I think my favorite thing is the built-in Roku device, which gives you access to not only hundreds of sports-related channels, but 4,000 streaming channels of any kind, movies, TV shows. Uh, TCL is America's fastest-growing TV brand for a, a very good reason, and it's a huge TV brand worldwide. And you got to see the new lineup of award-winning TCL TVs at any major local retailer. Uh, the 4K picture quality is four times the picture quality of any standard 1080p high-def TV that you're maybe used to right now. Dolby Vision, you get greater contrast, brighter, more accurate colors, lifelike images from the brightest of bright to the darkest of darks. Uh, and like I said, Mackey, Judd Zogad. Different guys. Uh, I, they're least, very different. At least the little bit of the personalities I've seen. Yeah, uh, they, they're, their they're, personalities they probably are... don't go out at night together. <laughs> Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. All right, Mackey and Judd. There's, by the way, there's plenty more Reckless Wolves speculation where that came from. I think we're going to get, this be between like The Ringer and ESPN's trade machine, we're going to get so many hypothetical trade scenarios. Lindsay Whalen, uh, she does two full-time jobs now. I'm not sure if you heard, but uh, she plays basketball for the Lynx. And, and tell us real quick, you just landed uh, a top scorer from Stillwater. Can you talk about that? Are you allowed to talk about that? I don't think so. Okay. All right. Never mind then. Congratulations wanna, on your success, uh, though. Unless you're looking to get in trouble on like your third week on the job, uh, let me ask you this. So uh, we were we were both uh, before the show here. We were kind of laughing about like the, the social media things that are coming out. Mike Zimmer uh, had a couple drinks and then did a little skull chant on stage at U.S. Bank Stadium at the Kenny Chesney concert on Saturday. Which bands or artists are you most likely to get a few drinks in you, Lindsay, and go on stage and uh, I don't know, like start dancing around? Oh. I don't know. Um, I've always wanted to go to a Pearl Jam concert. So that'd be pretty good. Um, let's see. I'd probably start with them. I know they were here last, I think, a couple years ago, but I was out of town, so I wasn't able to go. Um, let's see. What are some other good bands out there right now? I don't know. Would Kenny, would big... Kenny Chesney get you up there? No, no. I don't, um, I don't dabble. listen to much country. No country? I don't, I don't listen to much country. Um I liked Blink-182 back in the day. Wow. <laughs> wow. Oh, boy, Lindsay. I, feel, I think, no, I think, isn't Blink-182, I think, didn't we like just do a promo for them? Aren't they, is it Northern Invasion or are they somewhere else, Dave? I don't know where they're at, but they're back together and touring. Yeah. Well, okay, they're definitely rocking it. See, I'm all about bringing it back. So. <laughs> oh, were you a Total a, Request live fan good. in the late 90s? Of course. Yes. Yes, of course. Yeah, like every day. After, let's see, what time would we practice in college around like noon, get home at like three and it'd be on. Yeah, we watched like every day. Carson awesome. Daly. Boy bands? Yep. Which which boy band? Uh, NSYNC. Yeah, I would have to go NSYNC over Backstreet Boys. I, I totally agree. In fact, <laughs> yeah. we did a whole I'm segment on this on them, Friday. So I have no yeah. idea. Yeah, NSYNC, still to this day, 20 years later, one of those, oh. if it pops on the radio, I do not change the channel. I might put the yeah, windows up, but I don't change yeah. the channel. They were so good. Yeah, they were. Uh, and now Justin Timberlake is still doing his thing. So, I lo- yeah, I really like them, honestly. Uh, so, so where among things that that you have been there, done that a thousand times? Do preseason basketball games rank as, as far as as probably being necessary, but also being something where where you're like, if it doesn't count, I'm pretty bored with this. Preseason basketball? Yeah. I mean, for us yesterday, it was like. 
I mean, it was. I haven't played a game since Game Five in the finals. So the first half, we were uh, we were pretty bad, but we needed to kind of just get a rhythm of playing in a game together, and we have a whole bunch of new faces. So I, I mean, I. I asked to go back in in the third quarter just because I told coach, I was like, I need to get in some game shape here. And I only have two preseason games. So it was, um, we had a really productive third quarter. We ended up losing by five, but I think we were down 25 or 27. We cut to three or four at one point. So um, they only scored 11 points in the third quarter. So it was just good to see, uh, you know, the video tomorrow will show how bad we were in the first half, but then in the third quarter, you know, how much we turned it around when we just started dictating and playing well and playing together as a team. So, but I mean, like I said, Maya's not here yet and none of us have played really in a game except for Sylvia in uh, a while since game five in the finals. So it was really um, a learning experience. And um, anytime that you have a first half like that, you just can't wait to get up there for the second half. And um, I thought that coach really, um, had us fired up for the second half, and honestly, we we take every game very serious because we only have two exhibition games, and then it's right to the regular season. So we did our best to make sure we took some strides. And you know, at halftime, it was you know kind of obvious we might not win the game, but it was we were just saying in there, let's make sure we feel good about something leaving here today. We came all the way down to Des Moines to <laughs> to uh, play a game. Let's go home feeling good about something and, and get something on tape that we can be proud of. I feel like, especially with with basketball dynasties, you kind of saw it with the Warriors this year where you get like four or five years into a dynasty, the, the Bulls at the end of the, the MJ run, and the regular season, whether it's just like a lapse in intensity or players taking foot off the pedal and saving something for the postseason, you don't, you don't see regular season dominance over like seven, eight, nine years. The links are different. I mean, you guys, 28 and 6, 27 and 7. Is there anything about that regular season process once you've been to that final level and have conquered a handful of times? Is there anything about that process leading up to it that gets monotonous? And if and if not, how come? Well, I think the part the part for me that kind of gets that this year was kind of getting long was the was the um, kind of just working out on my own and getting ready for the season. Once I got around the team, those parts to me are are fun, and and then it's just. Like, um, you know, you're trying to get better every day and you take these steps as a team to try to build your foundation because every year is different. So now we have 2018 in front of us and, and we, I mean, I don't know. We just have such a competitive group that we never want to go out there and we never want to lose. We never want to look bad. We always want to play our best. And so yesterday in the first half, I mean, second half, Simone was great. She said, if we're going to be out here, let's, let's put our time in, let's make sure that we're working hard. And, and we all just kind of fed off of that. And then um, so I, I feel like our team, we're at a point where now we, we just don't really know how many more years we have together. So it's like make the most out of every game, every moment and, and try your best. And, you know, like coach said, you can, you can get beat bad if you're trying hard and it's just not going well for you that day. But, you know, if you're, if things, you don't have energy and you're not, you know, giving everything you can, then that's when it's, that's when it's just not fun. And that's when it's, you know, pretty, you know, for us unacceptable. So we had to come out in the third quarter and just uh, show that we, we had that energy. And then, um, like you said, every, for us, it's only 34 regular season games. So big difference between that and 82. So for us, it's, it's coming out right from the start, trying to get wins right from the beginning. Cause we know that at the end of the season, those wins are going to really, um, become important as far as seeding and home court advantage and all those things. 
At this point in your career, too, what, what concessions have you had to make uh, to time? And where, where do you feel that actually because of all your experience, you're, you're an improved player from, say, your first three or four years in the league, Lindsay? Yeah, I think just mentally, just mentally really thinking the game and knowing um, just kind of being able to kind of, I don't know, analyze probably a little more and make reads a little bit better. It's not, um, you know, at the start of my career, it was just get to the basket as fast as I could and, and look to score. Now it's a little more reading. It's a little more thinking about plays for different people when they're, they're feeling good or a play to get somebody going when, when they need a, a score or a touch. And so, uh, or if it's just sometimes it's just sprinting up the floor and getting us into offense really quickly because then everything seems to flow behind um, once you start that pace as a point guard. So it's all those little things, those little intangible things that you don't probably think about your first two, three, four years that when you're coming in, you're trying to score, you're trying to get assists, lead the team, but you kind of figure out a little later that these other intangible things are really what leads the team and, and makes you a better player and a better point guard. So I think that all those those things that you kind of learn as you go, and the game kind of slows down a little bit, um, a little, some because you individually slow down because you're not as fast as you were when you were 25, but then also you've just seen every coverage and you've seen so many games that you, you're able to make the reads as it's happening um, on the fly. Lindsey Whalen with us here, Mackie and Judd. I think one of my new biggest sports pet peeves when when I watch a LeBron James game, and it's happened like five times already in this postseason, his two buzzer beaters, his Game 7, I watch him and I think, and this is someone who, you know, I saw the end of Magic Johnson's career, I saw the, the championship period of, of Michael Jordan's career, and I watch LeBron James and think to myself, this is the best basketball player I've ever seen in my life. And I hate that so many people respond to that instead of just agreeing or going along with it. Want to want to fight you on the MJ LeBron? I mean, it's like if the worst thing you can say about LeBron James is he might not be Michael Jordan. I wish we would celebrate that more because he has been incredible in his fifteenth season, Lindsay. Yeah, he's really he, he's really taken it to almost another level in his fifteenth season, and this is my fifteenth season. So what he's done has really been inspiring, and I think I mean you just look at how well he takes care of his body, and then. To me, he's had, I mean, he's had two buzzer beaters in this playoffs alone that have really, I mean, separated you know, the reason why they're still playing and now they're up 3-0 in the semis. So, I mean, he's playing on such another level. I feel like all these, this whole playoffs in the second half of the season since they made those trades have been just a signature kind of stamp on his career as if he, you know, he didn't really need it with already three championships, but it's been really fun to see. And it's, it's really, like I said, inspiring in his 15th year for, for me to see what he's been able to do. And I just feel like he's creating so many signature moments right now that, that yeah, there's always going to be this argument or debate of him versus Michael Jordan. But, I mean, yeah, I mean, how can you argue with the way he's playing right now? And Jordan will always have six rings, so I don't know if LeBron can get there, but it seems like he's doing his, he's doing his best. And at times it's like he's kind of doing it. I mean, Kevin Love has really stepped up in these playoffs, but at times it's, it's kind of he's been taking – on the whole load of the team. I mean, at one, I think one game he had 40-some, you know, 12-8, and eight, and that was what DeRozan, Lowry, and Ibaka had as three. And so he was doing the work of the best three players on the other team. And so it's just when you have that much production for one player, it makes up for pretty much everybody else if they're having an off night. And it's just pretty, it's pretty ridiculous to see. Yeah. It's really fun to see. Because I've always been a, a big LeBron fan. He's, kind of, he's who I've – I mean – 
so it's my 15th year and it's his 15th year. He came out of high school, so a little he's younger than me, but you know our careers have kind of we've been on the same path, and so it's always been kind of fun to watch him. And I've been a huge fan of him, and and it's been really cool to see even in his 15th year what he's doing. Yeah. All right, hey, we're going we're gonna to try something new on this Monday because we have a lot of other random questions that we want to ask you, but we want to do it in like quick, it. quick-hitting fashion. We're going to call okay. this, because it's a really cheesy, cliche sports segment name. 24-second shot <laughs> The 24-second, yeah. Uh, we're going to call it the Fast Break with Lindsey oh, Whalen. Equally nice. as cliched. All right, we're going to go, Judd and I are going to go back and forth. You give us quick answers, elaborate if you want to, but we're going to fire off, like, I don't know, five, six, seven random fast break questions. Are you ready? Yes. Who are the five best players in the, in the WNBA right now? Maya Moore, Sylvia Fowles, Neka Gumake, um, Tina Charles, and Elena Deladon. Right. Which current Minnesota athlete would you pay to watch play? Um, Sylvia Fowles. One meal, U of M campus. You're the last meal of your life. It has to be on <laughs> campus. For some crazy reason, it's the last meal of your life. Where are you dining? Uh, Cafe 421. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's big a time. solid call. It's a big-time play. <laughs> yes. Player that, that you either hate or hated to have guard you the most in your professional career? Tamika Johnson. She's 5'2 and strong, so I can never get around her. Will the Vikings win a Super Bowl with Mike Zimmer? Yes. Wow. Skull. Confident skull. Skull chance. <laughs> Favorite city in the WNBA? Seattle. I wish they'd come back to the NBA, too. Oh, like, there's no reason. Gosh. There's no they reason They had Seattle why. and Vancouver. It's a must. It's a must. It's absurd. Such a great city. It's, yep. I love it out there. Yeah. There it is. That's the fast break with Lindsey Whalen. That was very cliched and good. It was. Well, maybe, good answers, maybe we can name it like a new cliched thing every week. Yeah, I, I think the, so. I think so. 24 seconds. Shot clock. Three man weave. Yes. The timeline. No, I like hey, the double dribble. Wow. <laughs> that the could double be another dribble. one. All right. We'll make a list. All right. Bye, Lindsey. See you next week. Bye. Okay, guys. Bye. Lindsey Whalen from the Lynx. We almost, we almost had a. Was that our way of testing her at the beginning there? Or did we almost just like obliviously get her? Oh, you like, no, 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 that's not us. You. Well, I saw photos being posted around social media. Like she can't comment though. Must have been photos from. It might have been photos from like the Stillwater players account. Yeah, okay. she tweeted. She tweeted like, out the commitment, but the coach can't comment. Okay. And so you would have gotten her sanction <laughs> before she ever coached a game. Thanks a lot, Phil Mackey. Oh, okay, we're just testing to see how much she studied, and she has clearly because she didn't. She, she gave you a good no, there. no, can't. Bye. <laughs> see ya. The Mackie and Judd Show rolls on. Here we go on fifteen hundred ESPN. What about us? And this portion of Mackie and Judd is brought to you by Fratelloni's Ace Hardware and Garden Stores, proud sponsor of the Beer Show. Don't forget. The fourth annual Town Ball Classic returns to Target Field Saturday, May 26th, presented by 1500 ESPN and the Minnesota Twins. They will kick off at 10 a.m. with Class C action, followed by Class B and Class A. All the games broadcast here on 1500 ESPN. Tickets are just 10 bucks, good for the entire day. Proceeds from the event benefit the Twins Community Fund. For more info or to purchase your tickets, head to 1500ESPN.com, keyword Town Ball. Hmm. Thank you, Dave. How about if, if I would have asked you, noted hockey enthusiast, I don't know, five, ten years ago, how would you feel about a Vegas-Winnipeg Western Conference Finals? 
Uh, You'd have been like... Ten years ago, I'd have been what? like... Yeah. Doesn't make sense. What are you smoking? How does that happen? But, uh, I mean, I think Vegas is what, what might create some national appeal here, but the fact that you have a couple of uh, very interesting hockey-related storylines coming in here with, like, Winnipeg and the resurgence of that market and Vegas being an upstart mm-hmm. and, the, and the fact that Vegas can just pluck players from other franchises and those GMs can all watch that series in shame as they play for a trip to I found to Stanley Cup. I found this morning a hockey news critique of the Vegas expansion draft in which in which they go into detail how how the Vegas Knights let the wild off easy. It's an entire breakdown of how Hall is a nice player but really, Alex Tuck, and that's all you got? That's all you got from... But you, you could have had Eric Stahl. You could have dipped into the franchise and taken a guy like Stahl, and you only took Alex Tuck? How old is Tuck? Oh, he's in his early 20s. So they probably, probably wanted... They wanted a balance of veterans, and they all, they wanted well, to... The, the interesting thing about this is, and you're going to get people saying, why didn't they just let Dumba get taken? And I still say, you don't do that. You see, you've seen what Brent Burns has done. Matthew Dumba, for as crazy as he might drive you because his mistakes are look huge, does a ton of things. And offensively, it's hard to find guys that can move the puck like him. The issue is this. And this is part of the reason why Chuck Fletcher is, is unemployed today, and it's also something at the time that I did not criticize at all. You had no idea, or I didn't, that Tuck was going to be this good. And and what's maddening about it right now is Tuck is doing all of the things that you thought Charlie Coyle was going to do for you. But Fletcher, in his defense at the time, is saying, well, well, we've developed Coyle, and Coyle's a veteran now, and he's coming of age, and he's going to be really good. And so so in order to keep Dumba, I'm going to swing a trade, and they're going to take Halla and give him a contract extension, and then I'm going to trade them Tuck. And so when they did it, I thought to myself, okay, not bad. But what drives you crazy now, and and fair or not to Fletcher, it's I'm sure it's part of the re- reason why he was fired, was Leopold's looking at Vegas' success and saying, Alex Tuck is doing everything that you told me Charlie Coyle was going to do and that Charlie Coyle didn't do. Well, not only, yeah, and I'll, I'll take that and just I'll blow it up to an even bigger statement that I still stand by my statement that the Vegas roster is a testament to the oftentimes randomness and quirkiness of hockey in small samples. But it's also a huge indictment on five, six, seven different general managers, right? I mean, the fact that you can look like William Carlson is such From a huge Columbus. indictment. Yeah, he had what? He had, he had 40 plus goals? He played, I want to say he had 43 goals in yeah. the regular season. He played 81 games last year and scored like five goals or something. Yep. And a GM said, eh, whatever. Like, we can protect nine. He's not, he's not going to be not one good of enough. Them. And Florida did the same thing. How, so I was, uh, I was, I followed Daniel Negreanu on, Daniel Negreanu is one of the top poker players of all time. He's also been for five years, one of the lead enthusiasts in Vegas trying to get the Golden Knights you know, thing to come to fruition. And so he's a season ticket holder. He's constantly, when he's not tweeting about poker, he's constantly, t- he actually, Russo did an interview with him. For the athletic a couple months ago, but I remember that um, he's constantly tweeting about the Vegas Golden Knights, and I saw him and a couple other guys going back and forth about how is this possible. The same question I asked you a couple weeks ago: How is this possible? And his answer was the same one you gave, which is there's like six or seven GMs that are utterly clueless yep. in the NHL. Yep, and that boggles my mind. How is that possible? Well, 
The Fletcher one, the, the Tuck, uh, trading Tuck is intriguing because because I can't sit here and crucify Chuck for that because I didn't sit here at the time and be like, how can they give up Alex Tuck? But I guess the question that you can ask yourself is, is a guy like like Fletcher who drafted Tuck and sees these guys play consistently, is he paid to say, okay, flat out, I need to project that, that Alex Tuck is going to be a superior player to Coyle and, and it could be quickly? That's the question. Well, okay, let's let's keep this going. Let's do a couple things. Let's 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 because I have another question too. It's not like it's not like Chuck Fletcher or five or six of these other GMs that are now being exposed. Like their players are ab- about to play a Western Conference Final Series for Las Vegas. It's not like they whiffed on a draft pick. Oh, we brought a guy in in the second round and he didn't pan out. You're whiffing on players who you saw play in your organization, eighty-two games, and who you drafted games. and have developed up until that point. Correct. Like you've watched these players from maybe even from college and they're and juniors, right? Six five one six four six eight two five five eight seven seven six one five fifteen hundred two. We can open up phone lines for the next thirty minutes. Wetmore and I are chirping at each other on Twitter. I said, "Hey, I didn't see your apology column on fifteen hundred ESPN dot com." He said, "I didn't see you apologize for Wiggins game three. That's because they had a game four and a oh, game we five came back with Wiggy already. Yeah, we dropped that on you. That's because okay. they had a game four. Unless right. he means that like the Twins are going to be the equivalent of game four. That's that's really what I'm deep, saying though, is yeah. a possibility." 